According to John's Gospel, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near the cross, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I often have wondered what those words meant to Mary, you know, as the last words that Jesus said to her on this earth. Behold your son. Look at him, your son, not me, John. And with that, Mary's mother's heart, which already was breaking, I'm sure, began to open up to take in not just John, but each one of us as her children. This is the Living the Word Bible Podcast, and I'm Sarah Chris Meyer talking with women about the Bible and the difference that it makes in our lives. When I met today's guest, it was to invite her to direct a women's retreat based on her book about the dignity and gift and mission of women in which she touched on Mary's spiritual motherhood and what that means to her. Pat Gohn is the author of Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious, and also another book called All In. She's also the host of the Among Women podcast, which she started back in 2009, I think. It's been around for a long time, Pat. And she's a catechist, a speaker, contributor to the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, and not as if all of that wasn't enough, she works in Catholic publishing as an editor. Pat, welcome to the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Sarah, it is my joy to be on this podcast. I've been so excited about this work ever since you started to share the idea with me. It's such a blessing to be here. Well, thank you so much for being part of it. And I was thinking, you know, you have been witnessing to your faith from a very early age. In fact, I understand you began giving little talks at Catholic retreats as a teenager. <laughs> that is you know. true. That is true. You know, I was really blessed. I mean, you never know like when when the Holy Spirit's going to break into your life. And I, it really was through this community of believers that was part of my parish growing up. And, you know, I'm going to date myself in terms of my age here, but, you know, this was the the early 70s, and and some of the waves of the charismatic renewal had spread out to Long Island, Mm -hmm. New York, where I was living. And this particular parish had a religious order with a convent on its property. And they would hold prayer meetings. And I just, through my association with being a Christian in that parish, I just met all these adults who were just on fire for God. The joy that they had in the Lord was palpable. And, you know, certain aspects of my life, you know, were not so joyful. You know, I I saw a lot of people who were sad and melancholy and people with problems and, you know, cast down. And even myself, I was struggling as a as a young teenager, you know, with, with some of the things in my life. But these people, like, it was almost hard to believe that mm. they had this kind of joy. But when you see it, you're drawn to it. So long story short, there was a teen retreat called an Antioch weekend. And I went on one. And what was kind of really fascinating to me was it wasn't just adults who were being joyful about Christ. It was young people, teenagers, my Mm. peer group. So I would say it just had a formative 
lasting effect on me. Like I was really evangelized through the love of the people in this community. And of course, that word Antioch is kind of a funny word, but it does come from the Bible. Yeah, You can read about it in the Acts of the Apostles and uh, Paul's letters refer to it and St. Peter. But Antioch was the place where the first community of believers were first called Christians. Hmm. So that's that was the idea of awakening the Christian life in teenagers through this Antioch weekend. And then eventually, over time, as I matured a little bit more, I was asked to be on the team and I would speak and I happened to play guitar. So I also played with the little nice. music group that added to the worship and praise and and mass and things like that. So that was really where I kind of kind of had that first connection with like the Holy Spirit really coming alive. Mm. Now I had been confirmed in the sixth grade, just like like a, a year or two before this happened. So I, I kind of connected to my confirmation, like really like coming alive. Like, yeah. Like like the after, of the spirit. After that. Do you know what I mean? Like really kind of awakening to it. Anyway, so that was a real blessing. And you know, for my 16th birthday, my mother gave me a Bible. was not exactly the gift I was looking for. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like keys to the car or something right, right. like that. <laughs> 16. By that time, I was reading the Bible more faithfully in my quiet time, usually before I went to bed and things like that. So I started to get more into the Bible because as the Holy Spirit came alive in me, different things in the Bible started to kind of click and pop. And I would start to say, I never noticed that before. Mm. This keeps coming up. You know, like it, this was like early Christian faith, you know, early Christian yeah. life, starting to recognize when something on the pages of the Bible kind of sings to your heart, like you should mm -hmm. be paying attention to that. So I was learning that practice of listening to God's word and his little promptings that would, would come through in a very elementary way as a young person. Nice. And do you recall any particular scriptures that really spoke to your heart at that time? Oh, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them. Psalm 37, I think, says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires mm. of your heart. You know, as a teenager trying to figure out, like, where's my place in the world? What am I to do with my life? You know, as you grow through high school and think about maybe college or career or profession, this idea of delighting in God and having God's presence with you, that the desires that are in my heart, God already knows what those are. Mm -hmm. And I need to stay close to Christ to, to walk with him to, to get to that, that plan, that good plan that he has. For me. That's interesting because as a teenager, you know, a lot of people think that God is has a lot of rules that they don't want to follow. But to connect to a God who knows your desires and wants to fulfill them is just an amazing thing. Right. A absolutely true. And the other one that kind of came to mind as you asked me that question was also from Matthew's gospel. Seek first the kingdom, mm -hmm. you know, and all the rest will be yours. And I always thought that's a good thing, you know, like, what am I seeking after first? You know, am I seeking Christ? Am I seeking his good? Am I seeking truth, good and beauty, you know, in the way that God is asking me to do? So, yeah, there were some discipline things. I mean, I was a, a church going kid. You know, I did, mm -hmm. I did go to mass every week. It was a regular habit. 
and things like that. But God wanted to build other habits in me as well in the, not only in the the life of prayer, but also in the moral life, you know, as a teenager, you know, there's so many temptations. There's so many different things happening in your peer groups that can kind of, you know, take you down paths that maybe you don't want to go, or maybe you want to go and you're tempted to go and you feel like you should indulge in those things. But I do feel that there was this kind of protective grace that I was given Hmm. through that time that I was almost snatched from the dragon's jaw in terms of some of the the worst temptations that could have really led me away from Christ. And I'm I'm so grateful for that. I'm so Hmm. grateful for that. You know, something stood out to me as I was going through your website. You said that it's your goal to allow the word to be enfleshed in your life. And perhaps that started back then. But what what has that come to mean for you? Why is that your goal? You know, I think it's our goal to want to imitate Christ and to be like Christ. And to, I mean, as church, the the language we use is, you know, to be a saint. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of issues of like feeling unworthy and not 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 remotely close, you know, to Jesus or not remotely close to becoming a saint. Least likely to be a saint right here, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this idea of God's word like taking taking root in us and and being joined to who we are that that we are conformed to Christ in that way, like that's a really beautiful thing and you know, of course, Jesus is the word made flesh, mm-hmm. you know, he's the final word of the father. And not only that, but he gives us his flesh in, ho- mm. you know, Holy Communion through the through the gift of the Eucharist. We're able to like, receive the body and blood, soul and divinity, like of the Lord into our very persons. And we pray, you know, like, when we receive that to, to be better conformed to living as Little Christ or Christ is reigning. <laughs> this is the practice. You know, this is why we say we practice our faith. You know, that is a daily, it's a daily thing to get up and to, to walk with Jesus. So I, I think that's kind of it. You know, like I feel like that the more we can be formed by God's word and the grace of the sacraments, his grace will build on our nature to, yeah. to allow us to be more like him. And and for us women too, I think there's also that component of trying to be more like the Blessed Mother, like as you read that beautiful reading from the cross. You know, I was taken with the version that you read that Mary's idea, that the word to Mary was, you know, Jesus's words. And then there's a little commentary from John that follows it. And from that moment on, you know, Mm-hmm. He found a place for Mary in his home. Yes. You know, and I think that was a little line, that little directive was something that I had to do, like in my mm-hmm. life. When I was a teenager on fire for Jesus and learning about Jesus, and it was Jesus, my friend, and Jesus, my my all, I did not really have a relationship with that blessed mother back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew my Hail Mary. I knew how to pray the rosary. You know, I knew of her titles and of her different apparitions that I had learned about. Fatima was very important to my mother, who shared with me about 
you know, Our Lady of Fatima and those apparitions in that century that was important to her generation. There were stories about Mary. It wasn't it wasn't a relationship with Mary. But along my more adult life, once I got out of college and I was married and I had children, that little directive from John kind of pricked my conscience about mm. making room in my home for Mary. And that started to kind of grow in my life a little bit later on, like when I was, you know, out of college and, and married and starting with my family. So even though I got to know the Lord at a young age, I didn't really get to know Mary until later on, like when I was married and became a mom. And mm-hmm. suddenly I was in need of that mother, <laughs> that mother <laughs> looking over me as I entered motherhood myself, which was kind of a scary thing. You know, I, I was very nervous about becoming a mother. So anyway. So you turned to the Blessed Mother. I did. I did. And I had an interesting relationship with Mary before that, because at the time that I was growing up, you know, the church and different people around me were kind of dissing the Blessed Mother. We don't Mm -hmm. really need the rosary anymore. We don't really need, you know, all these little old devotions, old school devotions. Yeah. A lot of people were letting go of in, you know, the late 70s and, and things like that. But I did have some some people who kind of helped to mother me along the way. You know, my mother and I kind of had sometimes a distant relationship. And for whatever the circumstances were in her life and my life, by the time I got to be a mother myself, it was hard for me to go to her mm-hmm. with some of the things that I was struggling with in my uh, young marriage and in my young motherhood. But there were some other women in my community who reached out to me and said, you know, Pat, yeah, becoming a mom is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot of work and it's a lot of sacrifice. And I think for me also, it was a time where I I started to learn a great deal about humility and just about handing my life in deeper surrender over to Christ so that I could enter this vocation as, you know, a mother and a parent. And so this one woman that I knew very well and who knew me from my teenage years, and she was a bit older than me, came over to my house and she just shared with me, you know, Pat, this is a great time in your life to really talk to the Blessed Mother because she gets it. <laughs> you know, She mm. gets what it is to be a mom and to raise a family. And also she's a great person to turn to with your prayers. And she gave me this little book that had prayers to the Blessed Mother. And boy, did I, I ate that up. I prayed those prayers. I was turning my heart over to God. I was begging God's grace into my house, into my family, into my child's life. Um, and I just felt this maternal connection with Mary that I'd never had before. And I started to pray the rosary more. And because I was pretty well versed in the New Testament by the time I was that age, it was the scriptural rosary that really started to come mm-hmm. alive and feed my soul. Can you describe what what that is for those who don't know what the scriptural rosary is? Oh, I'd be happy to. The scriptural rosary, and there's a few different ones out there, but the one that I had came in the form of a little little tiny prayer book that I could put in my my wallet or or my purse. And as you would pray the rosary, you'd pray the rosary in the traditional way with all the traditional prayers. But in between each our Father, and in between each Hail Mary, you'd read a verse from Scripture that would describe 
the mystery that you were praying. Mm-hmm. So the joyful mysteries would go through the Annunciation, the Visitation, and you'd be reading those early infancy narratives. You'd be reading through the Magnificat, all these different things that are in the scriptures, along with the Annunciation and the Visitation, etc. So it really aided my meditation mm-hmm. on each of the mysteries that, that we went through. And for many years, we, you know, I was just praying the, the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. And then many years later, John Paul II gave us the luminous mysteries, which was really cool because then we were also meditating on, you know, the proclamation of the word and the, the, the life of Jesus in his ministry, the institution of the Eucharist, all these other things that just brought an added richness that I could be meditating on scripture and the rosary at the same time. So it helped to give my rosary focus. During those years, during those mothering years, I just, early mothering years with my children, I was very blessed to be living in another parish where I started to meet other women who prayed the rosary. And we would meet just one day a week, bring our little kitties, and we would just pray the rosary with the kids. And the great thing I loved about the spiritual rosary, especially when young moms are coming, we used to tell people, no experience is necessary. You can just come to this prayer group because <laughs> we use a book, you know, yeah. to, to, pray the, to pray through the scriptural rosary. And if a mom had to excuse herself for a minute to go change a little baby's diaper or to take care of somebody who had a little need, she could excuse herself to do that and come right back and be right back in the meditation with those scriptures and the cadence and the flow of the prayer of the rosary. And let me tell you, great fruit was born. Like, and I always say that to young moms, like if, if you're in the middle of your rosary and you know, the baby's crying or something like that, gets it. Jesus gets it. Stop what you're doing and go to the needs of your child. You know, like that's your vocation. And then, you know, you can pick up the prayer again when your child is settled or whatever. And I thought it was a very beautiful, very organic, rich way to kind of live your life, kind of breathing the rosary amidst your daily life with the hubbub of your children. I was so richly blessed during that time in my fellowship with those women. So I'm I'm really interested in hearing your experience with the rosary because as a convert I had a very hard time praying that and I found that really focusing on the scriptures that they come out of really helped me to pray it but then as I got used to praying it it Mary herself drew me into those mysteries drew me into particularly the the joyful mysteries but and the sorrowful I guess where we have her presence And I wonder if you experienced her becoming more and more of a mother to you as you were doing that. And if maybe there's some concrete examples of that that you could share. Well, it's been a long walk since those early mothering years with Mm -hmm. my little ones to now I'm a grandmother Mm -hmm. (laughs) of of six little ones. You know, so it's, it's been a long walk with Mary. And I would say that there have been times where I have just invited Mary to be my mother in more casual ways as well as in formal ways. I must credit St. Teresa of Calcutta for this little shortcut prayer. Like if you've never asked Mary to mother you, she 
St. Teresa has this really beautiful prayer. And I first learned it in moments of distress, hmm. meaning in moments of like, maybe, maybe I'm on the way to the emergency room, you know, with a kid who needs stitches <laughs> or something yeah. like that, you know, and I, and my own mother's heart would be a, a little freaked out, and a little worried, but of course you're trying to stay calm for your child and get through this emergency. So St. Teresa's prayer was, Mary, mother of Jesus, please be a mother to me now. Hmm. Amen. Mary, mother of Jesus, please be a mother to me now. Let me tell you how many prayers I have lifted up with that little intention, because I know the Blessed Mother is concerned about my intercessions. I know my need for prayers and answers. You know, she knows those things. But asking her to actually mother me through that, like not just asking her for the favor, but asking her to really mother me, I think we we give her permission to enter into our lives that way. Just like you invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit into your heart, I think you can ask Our Lady's intercession that way. That like a mom, she wants us to have that reliability, you know, that trust mm-hmm. in her. All right. So, so there's that. So that little prayer I prayed so often, just asking her to mother me. Also, when I had problems with children and teenagers, asking for the words to guide them through difficulties, you know, or very scary situations. I would just lift that little prayer. I'd be, you know, I'd come Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to be with me. And then it would be Mary, mother of Jesus, please be a mother to me now. Because I would want to mother the way she might think about mothering my child in this way. Mm -hmm. So when I had those teenage angst things that you're going through with your kids, I would invite Mary into that moment with me to mother me. I will say there was a very particular Lent when I was going through a really difficult time. And I was with some uh, girlfriends in my parish. And these were some of my rosary friends. And one of the ladies there said, have any of you ever made a consecration to Jesus through Mary? And I said, no, I always thought about it because it was something that John Paul recommended. And that was one of the reasons I think he was so devoted to the Blessed Mother. And I was reading a lot of John Paul's uh, sermons and, and letters at that time. And I just thought, wow, you know, if this is something the Pope is recommending for his own spiritual life and that it's born a lot of fruit, you know, maybe this is something I would do too. And I read a little bit more about St. Louis de Montfort and some other saints who really recommend that the quickest way to be a saint is to ask Mary to help you, you know, and St. Louis de Montfort would say that, you know, Mary is the molder of saints. So I went on this path 20 some odd years ago with a few of these women in my church to prepare. It's usually 33 days of prayer to just consecrate oneself to Jesus through Mary. So I did that. And that became a beautiful, you know, annual tool to to renew my commitment to to Jesus through Mary. So that Mary would be alongside me in a, in a more vivid way and that I'm making more of a commitment to promote her and to also to to work cooperatively with you know the great mission of Jesus, the way she works in the mission of Jesus. 
and things like that. So that consecration, um, I can leave you some links for the books on how to do that. That was kind of a different, a, a new step I took in embracing Mary as my spiritual mother. And I think a lot of things that happened immediately after that, I want to say weeks after that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. The consecration and that, that Lent that I was going through that year preceded this really big thing that happened in my life, you know, with that diagnosis. And that took my life like upside down and changed a lot of things in my life, you know, just constant medical appointments. And I had three little kids and I write about that in that book, Less Beautiful and Bodacious, what those moments were and how that community of faith, those faith-filled rosary women (laughs) who really helped to carry my family through that very difficult time. But I felt Mary was with me through all of that mothering mothering me through that health crisis and beyond. And I really felt, you know, the presence of Jesus as well. Hmm. So I I feel like I've had some of these kind of, that was kind of a crisis in my life that I felt like she was really present. And it was like she mobilized like this whole community of of families that helped my family through a very hard time. And you can never thank people enough when they, when they do that for you. So you've you've experienced her um, as a mother when you couldn't go to your mother. I think of, you know, maybe one of the reasons I have had trouble in the past coming to Mary is that I have a wonderful mother that I could go to with anything, you know, here on earth. And so I don't feel the need of a mother. And yet, even though I still have my mother, I'm blessed that she is still still living and active in my life and Amen. so on. I have over time come to know Mary as a spiritual mother and not only as a mother to me, but then also as an example of how to be a spiritual mother to others, because all of us as women, as you know, you know, have that, that gift of spiritual motherhood, whether we are physical mothers or whether we're just, you know, women living in the world with other, other people around us whom we mother. And I wonder if you'd like to share anything about that, about what spiritual motherhood is, either how you've experienced it or learned from Mary or from scripture to practice it. Right, right. Well, again, going back to that beautiful scripture that you read about Mary at the foot of the cross and Jesus having that conversation with Mary and John and Magdalene is there where, you know, Jesus is telling John, you know, behold your mother. The mm-hmm. church looks at that moment as not only a beautiful gift of Mary to John, but also Mary being the gift to all beloved disciples, just like John, mm-hmm. that the church sees it as Mary becoming our mother, our spiritual mother. And I think that is, you know, it's one of the final gifts of Jesus from the cross to us, to the church, to the world. And if Jesus gives you a gift, you should open it, Mm, (laughs) you know? So I think all of us should be open to this idea of Mary's motherhood in our lives. She's the mother of the church as well. And we have so many titles, you know, mother of mercy, mother of the word, mother of God. She has so many titles tied into the motherhood concept. And she's a beautiful model for, for so much. 
So the spiritual maternity, the spiritual motherhood, I think, is just an outgrowth of the the nature of womanhood. We are, as women, we have beautiful gifts of nurture and sensitivity and uh, receptivity. And the, the mothering gift is not only in the physical realm of taking care of people's temporal needs or their other needs that they might have, But there's also the spiritual needs, the things that build up people's souls, the things Mm -hmm. that call them higher, the things that encourage them to holiness. I've had some great women in my life who have helped to shepherd me along that path. I mentioned this beautiful woman, Paula, who came and visited me and gave me that little prayer book when I was kind of struggling in my new motherhood years. I had another beautiful woman named Judy who had gone through a cancer fight years before I met her. And yet she was a prayer warrior and a, and a, and a boon companion to, to get me through those cancer years with her strength and her encouragement, her prayerful encouragement in the midst of my cancer struggle. I had another beautiful woman, Ginny, who said, Pat, you're really a good teacher. Maybe you need to really go back to school and get, you know, hone those skills to, to, to get out and, and teach more and to make sure you have the degrees to back it up. And I was like, wow, I'm a little scared to go back to school, you know, but she was like, don't worry, you can do it. And she went back to school in her 40s. And uh, she was uh, such an inspiration to me. She went on to become a PhD and she taught right up until the year she died. Hmm. I mean, so these women in some shape or form kind of spiritually mothered me, called my soul higher to love God more, to go deeper with God. So I I think that's at the heart of it for me with Mary, is that Mary's heart is so connected to Jesus's heart, and mm-hmm. her mission is so connected to Jesus's mission, that, that she helps me connect with Jesus in that way. She is mothering me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think if you have a fantastic mother relationship with your earthly mother i think that's a beautiful thing that that is a that is a gift from the lord and mary can just even enhance that yeah you know mary can can bring us into a deeper appreciation for the mothers that we have who are our earthly moms yeah and i would love to just ask those who are listening you know, I, I think that's a common experience that we've had women in our lives who have spiritually mothered us. And I'm going to put a question out in the on the community on Instagram, just asking you who has been a spiritual mother to you. Maybe you'd like to share with some of the others who are, are listening to this so that we can all be enriched by knowing who these wonderful spiritual mothers have been in our lives. Right. So... Related to Mary's spiritual motherhood, one of the things that mothers do is they teach us and they teach us not only by telling us what to do or how to do it, but they also just teach us by example. And Mary has been that to me as I read the scriptures about her. And one of the things that always has stood out to me is that these huge things happen to her that she doesn't understand like the message of the angel or why her son is, you know, in the temple and so on. And scripture records her response. And, you know, she didn't go all crazy trying to figure it out. It says that she pondered these things in her heart. And we have such 
an opportunity to ponder God's word, the things that we hear, even when they don't make sense to us, to ponder them in our hearts. And because that word is living and active, it actually can grow in us and transform us as we read and as we ponder. It's a a beautiful thing that I know you have experienced, Pat. And I wonder if just, you know, thinking back, is there a passage of scripture that really has that you have pondered and held close over the years that you would like to share with those listening, and then maybe we can pray with it together. Wow, that would be awesome to do. You know, and I echo what you're saying about Mary's pondering and turning things over. I think there's a line from Luke's Gospel that says that she kept all these things mm, and pondered nice. them. You know, she she kept them close to her heart. And I think that's a beautiful posture for prayer, but it's also a great posture for living your life to, to, to keep these things close and to remember like what God is doing and what he has done. Mm-hmm. When I was in Catholic grade school in the fifth grade, I had Sister Mary Vincentia, who mm-hmm. was our English teacher. And one of the things that was close to her heart was memorization of poetry and certain parts of the Bible. And each of us in the class had to memorize these things every week. We had a new memorization task, you know. We we learned great poetry and we learned parts of scripture. But the one that has stayed with me since grade five, and a lot of people might be familiar with this psalm, but it's Psalm 23, the Lord Mm. is my shepherd. And memorizing that as a child is one thing, you know, I mean, it was an assignment. I'm not going to say I I did it for the love of God. I did it (laughs) so I could get a good grade. (laughs) I was a fifth grade child. But learned from her class was that memorizing like we were memorizing all her favorite poems because she had to hear it like repeated like 20 (laughs) times you know with each of the kids standing up to do it so we knew these were a lot of her favorite poems that we were memorizing but the benefit of memorizing scripture for me is that this scripture is always close to me Mm -hmm. like I don't need to look it up in my bible you know and definitely like the first four lines of it you know have just stayed with me over the years. Can you read, can you recite what those are in case people don't know? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Mm. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they give me comfort. And there's a few more about God setting the table for us, this banquet. And then the the psalm ends, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that might not be perfect memorization, but those lines are the ones that stay with me. 
this idea that he brings me to these beautiful places. I have been a nature girl ever since I was a Girl Scout as a little kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love being out in nature. I love praying out outdoors. I love being at the beach or on a lake. I love being near water. I can't tell you how many times I have been stressed out or exhausted and God just gives me like a little mini retreat by allowing me to walk near water. He just restores my soul like through the gifts of creation and also time spent with him. The leading me in right paths, the fact that that God really wants me to be in right relationship with him and in right relationship with my friends and neighbors and families to to lead us. That's the path of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Righteousness is all about being in that right relationship with God and right relationship with others, that he will lead me there for his name's sake, for his glory. Like I have needed that. Mm. I've needed a lot of healing in my relationships. I've needed a lot of healing, even with my own concept of God, especially the fatherhood of God and, and other things that God has healed in me over time, that he is leading me in this path of righteousness for his name's sake. And then, you know, I mentioned that cancer struggle from years ago, that that beat of that prayer, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. This presence of God that doesn't leave us, that God really loves us that much, mm-hmm. that he wants to walk with us through that. We're, he's not saying we're not going to have those hard times, you know. But he's saying he's going to be with us when we're in those hard times. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the things for me with this song. And like I said, it it harkens all the way back to childhood. Before I really knew Jesus the way I know him now, Um, that that shepherding, that, that presence to be with me is one that I have really relied on. And one that's really become like part of like the beat of my heart. Hmm. And one of the ways that he is with us, of course, many ways that he's with us, but one is through his word. And that is one of my all time favorite Psalms. And as, as with you, it comes to me at times when I need it and dark times and other times. And just the imagery draws me beside him by those still waters And I would like to pray that with people, just pray that together slowly, meditatively, and it will be, there there will be directions on the homepage here. If you would like to take this to your own prayer sometime, take it to adoration maybe when you're with the Lord and just hear him speak these words into your heart. This again is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your presence and peace that is described in this psalm. And we thank you for your word and for the life and strength that it brings us. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder all that you say to us in Scripture. Give us the grace that we need to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. And Mary, mother of the word and mother of us, pray for us. So thank you so much, Pat. It has been really wonderful talking with you today. And before you leave, is there anything you can tell us about where we can find out more about what you do and your writing and your speaking and so on? Oh, well, thank you again for the conversation today. It's really been a blessing to me. I am found online at patgone.net, P-A-T-G-O-H-N.net lot of connections there. And I would just like to briefly share a little bit about the work that I do at Living Faith. I'm the editorial director for Living Faith, which is a page a day devotional based on the Catholic lectionary. One page a day, one little verse from the scriptures at Mass. So er, even my daily work is is around the Bible. Um, and we have, uh, we have a host of writers who write for Living Faith. So each day there's just a verse of scripture to maybe learn, to maybe even memorize through your day, and then a little reflection about it. You can find that at livingfaith.com. I feel really blessed to be doing that work. It's a devotional work that tries to draw people into reading scripture more. But I am such a big fan of the uh, Living the Word Bible and this Bible pipe podcast. I wish you much success going forward, Sarah. Thank you again for the invite. Oh, you are so welcome, Pat, and thank you for joining me. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been the Living the Word Bible Podcast, and thank you for listening. You can join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word, and you can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. I also would like to let you know that we have a brand new companion journal to the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. It's a journal that will help you uh, as you get into the Word of God to be able to write down the things that you hear spoken to you and to record your prayers and the things that the Lord teaches you through your reading. And right now, if you'd like to get a copy of the, the Women's Bible or that journal, they're available for a special price, $5 off of each of them, and also free shipping. So just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. And this offer is good throughout 2023. So may God richly bless you as you read and live His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.